Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey friends, and welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I am Ben Hardman, and I'm here with my partners in crime, uh, Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Hey guys, good to see you. Hello. And uh, we are working on a new series right now uh, called Desert Stories, where we want to talk about kind of how do we faithfully navigate pain in ministry, and what does it look like for us to walk into uh, the pain of ministry faithfully and uh, walk through it with the posture of Jesus. Uh, we're actually recording this on Good Friday, which is actually yeah. probably a good day for us Poignant. to uh, have this conversation, right? Yes. Poignant and apropos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this really came out of uh, about, I mean, it was almost about a year ago, but I, about a year ago, I posted on social media and I just posted about some of the specific pains I've experienced in ministry. And I got really kind of tactile and tangible without naming names or throwing anybody under the bus or saying this person did this or this church did this, but just naming things. And so uh, can I Mm. just name some of those things that I put on that post? Um, Because what happened after that was I got all of these responses from pastors who, who started saying, this is what happened to me. Uh, Mm. and many of them messaged me privately because they said it's too painful for me to post this publicly. And then there was Mm. this huge list of things publicly. And I just started to realize that oftentimes we don't have an imagination for how to faithfully manage pain in ministry. And so I wanted to kind of do a series for pastors or Christian leaders on how we do that. So here's some of the things that I posted. Uh, When I first started in ministry, uh, it was my son, my oldest Cole, who's about to turn 18 now. Isn't that crazy? Uh, he, crazy. it was his second birthday. Uh, and I remember on his second birthday in the middle of the party, I got a call from the church that said I needed to go to do a hospital visit. And mm. I said, I won't go until my son's birthday party is over. Mm. And I remember getting in trouble for it. And I had yeah. to meet with my boss who told me, this was the phrase, if you can't abandon or if you can't leave your family at times for ministry, then you're not cut out for this. Uh, mm. And I was like 20 at the time, 20, yeah. when I was older than that, 25 at the time. Like I didn't, I didn't know, right. I didn't have any understanding of that. That's um, not, it sounds sacrificial. It sounds like, yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's, it, I, there I was a way that it made it sound like this is the holy way to operate right. is to leave your son's yeah. second birthday. Um, uh, I, uh, 
I, I mean, I think all of us have dealt with narcissistic leaders in certain ways who have kind of mm -hmm. demeaned us, belittled us, uh, who have kind of not allowed us to have a platform to, uh, to rise up. Uh, I, I experienced that in a number of different places. Um, I've had, had ghosting of friends. I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Uh, I had really painful in a, in a certain context of ministry for us. Sarah and I had really become close to a couple and just all of a sudden they just stopped interacting with us completely. Just never, uh, we never saw them again or heard from them again. Uh, and every time we would reach out, they would, they would just ignore us, just completely stop talking to us. Uh, hmm. still don't know what happened with that. Oh, wow. um, we've had a lot of unfair and wrong things, you know, said about us as the pastor or as the leaders of the church. Um, uh, I, I was hired at a specific place in my first meeting with the executive pastor. He said to me, uh, I didn't hire you. The lead pastor hired you. So I just have to deal with you now. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, off to a good start. Well, off to a good start with this guy. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, I uh, I was brought to a place to serve in ministry and was actually never paid a salary, uh, and then that company disbanded about a year later, uh, maybe not even a year, uh, and uh, that was super fun. Uh, and so there's been all of these things that I have personally wrestled through, and had the question: Is is this okay that I'm experiencing this stuff? Is this the way it's supposed to be? Uh, and, and not, not had an imagination for how you faithfully walk through this. And so today I, I want to give us some, maybe mm. some framework into here's some, some of the wrong ways I think to manage pain in ministry. Uh, but I'd love mm. to hear from you guys, uh, about some of those hurts and pains in ministry for you. What are some of those experiences that you have had that have hurt, uh, that have felt like, I don't think this is how ministry is supposed to be. Um, but you weren't sure you had an imagination for how to faithfully walk through it at the time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can think from, from both angles I've had, I've had times when uh, as a leader, I think I've been the victim of like a scapegoating kind of thing where somebody obviously has some, some issues with, you know, maybe authority in general or, or whatever, or I remind them of somebody from their past, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you sort of get this sort of outsized anger and vitriol aimed at mm -hmm. you. Um, I remember one of the first ministry jobs I had, it, it was, uh, it was like a, it was like a family um, that just like unloaded on me for, I don't even remember what it was for, but I remember just being so surprised mm. Yeah. at how many assumptions they were making about my motivations, about how much they were assuming that, that they knew the reasons why I was making the decisions I was making as a, as a pastor and, um, and just unloaded on me we're just with this, like, I'm sure in their minds, like this self-righteous anger, you know, at the injustice of what I was doing. And um, I remember my approach at the time was just to try to, you know, calmly explain why I was doing what I was doing, <laughs> which didn't work. Um, at least it didn't work to change their minds about me. Um, mm. And they, had, you know, they ended up leaving the church. And I just remember feeling just really taken aback. And w once I had sort of processed, you know, the shock of it, realizing that it really, I guess it really hurt me that you had misinterpreted my motivations, you know, that, that, that this family had misinterpreted that. So, so there's, you know, stories like that for me. Um, but then also stories, uh, you know, when I, when I was not the person sort of with the authority, 
uh, where I felt uh, hurt uh, and belittled by, you know, someone who, yeah, was sort of uh, responsible or in authority over me, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, a, lo- a lot of those stories, I mean, I, you know, a lot of stories like that where I didn't feel empowered as a younger leader, mm-hmm. as somebody who was learning, somebody who, you know, probably was a little cocky. Um, and had a lot to learn, but um, the way that I, I didn't feel like, you know, I was sort of brought into a, a pathway for learning. Um, I felt like it was more of a, uh, I don't know, there was like a lid on what I was allowed to do and yeah. not allowed to do, that kind of thing. So anyway, and some of that was probably justified, honestly, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Like some of those limitations were justified, but um, there, there was also some hurtful things that happened in the midst of that. Yeah, I I think in ministry, there's a lot of things that happen to us that are the result of us just being dumb and making poor decisions. Sure. Uh, And then there's other things that are completely unfair, where where the character is maligned or assumptions are made or leaders who are supposed to care for you don't protect you in the way yeah. they should or or don't care for you in the way that they should. Uh, I think those are more of the things that we're talking yeah. about because I've done plenty of stupid things yeah. where, where I've gotten in trouble for them yeah. and, and probably well-deservedly mm-hmm. in some of those yeah. cases. Um, but I think, yeah. it, I think it's worth pointing out, and one of, one of the stories that we'll do uh, here later in the series talks a little bit about this, but I think it's important to feel that like those two things, those two experiences feel the same. Mm, I think they feel the same um, when you've been sort of unjustly accused, that kind of thing. And when you just have a lot to learn as a, as a young leader, they feel the same. And so it's really hard to sort out, like, is this injustice or is this like, you know, it's really hard. And so that, I think that's what magnifies the, the difficulty of these kinds of situations is it, you know, and oftentimes it's a combination of the two. So yeah, really especially especially when you're a young leader, because I think there were times when, as yeah. a young leader, I wanted far much, far more leadership authority than, yeah. than I was ready for. Right. And for people to say, "Hey, you're not ready for that," was actually grace for me and for people that I was leading. <laughs> right. uh, but but there's right. there's also people that will never give up authority to anybody, uh, yeah. and will yeah. never allow another leader right. to like overshadow them or, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and that becomes a whole different conversation. Totally. Yep. Matt, what about you, buddy? No, I've never really had a low point. I can't. Think yeah. Of oh, any. That's good. <laughs> that's good. No, I, uh, it's coming. <clears throat> no, I, we've shared some of these stories on our Patreon platform. Uh, I've shared a couple stories about going through deserts. I, I was reflecting on some of bo- both of you mentioning just like, I don't know, Harvin, like, you mentioning sort of this, churches tend to have towards their staff and towards their people a very welcoming, open, generous, familial kind of posture, and then you get blindsided by stuff. Mm, yeah, you, know? you get bl- like you get blindsided by I didn't hire you, I'm just going to have to deal with you, or you get blinded <laughs> with um, we need to be, you know, we. <clears throat> I, I've I've talked to when we work with church leaders, and uh, a number of church leaders tell us that like when they were hired from churches particular one church they were told you know you keep your you keep your marriage you keep your marriage uh like fine together and you keep your finances in order and the rest of you belongs to us yeah like on, upon hiring that's what they were told yeah nice and uh i don't know just keep tithing <clears throat> well just this, keep tithing and stay married it was like yeah. don't steal money and don't like sin sexually and the rest the rest of other than that 
like your life, all your base are belong to us. Just don't don't expect. Yeah, you you give when you get hired here, you're giving us your life. And not every church is like that, but I'm just thinking through a number of. I mean, you mentioned being ghosted, Ben. I'm thinking through a number of like really intense emotional encounters with people. Either they're going through crisis, or they're or they really need something, or um, yeah, you know, they're coming. They're like making overtures of like be in my life, be in my life, and then all of a sudden they're just gone. You know, they just kind of yeah. mm-hmm. they just kind of blow you away, and so like you know, therapists have like this whole rubric of how not to get too close and uh, how not to get how not to get personal with your clients. Right. You know, they and have all these yeah, you build protective mechanisms, yeah. clinical yeah. boundaries and stuff. And oftentimes, like I just feel envious sometimes. I'm like, well, I don't think I could operate like that with people in my mm-hmm. church. But wow, there's a lot less heartache and pain and deserts if you do that. You know, well, yeah. and I know a lot of pastors that do that. Right? Yeah, that's the that's the official recommendation. A lot of times, it's sort of like they're, and I, you know, I don't want to blame people for that. I know they're trying to avoid pain and, and heartache, but yeah, that is that is the approach. A lot of yeah. a lot of denominations and you know entire denominations will take just say like you can't be friends with people in your church. Yeah, so lead from the stage, but yeah, you know, and yeah, you know, or lead, lead from the authority, your, the counselor, yeah. the authority counselor when you yeah. meet together. Yeah. But don't ever open your life. Yeah, totally. I'm not sure that's the faithful way. Yeah, and I, I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I don't want to blame it. I understand why you, yeah, would, you, why, why you, you would get end wounded up there. enough, and you, you, yeah, you have to do I that get sometimes. It. I get it. There's a. I got invited to a, a private Facebook group that was something like, uh, a, it was about, it was using the metaphor of wolves and sheep. Mm. And it, and it was basically a Facebook group for pastors. I forget the title of it now. I think I'm still a part of it. I can look it up as we're doing this. Uh, as a, as if I don't, I don't ever check it out, but it's a Facebook group for pastors that uh, share stories about how they've been wounded by their sheep. Yeah, it's it's the only place, and basically people just kind of gripe. I, I think I and got invited to that as well. When Years the sheep ago. eat the wolves. Yeah, yeah, the sheep something have like fangs, that. something like that. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, so I get I, invited to awesome, like a lot of fun Facebook groups. By the way, I don't, I don't know if you guys do, but a lot of just uh, really, really bizarre ones. I, I have some, I have some recommendations of Facebook groups to stay away from. That's, <laughs> oh, that's basically what I have. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, um, yeah. So I mean, so d- I think desert stories are some like just relationships. Other, other desert stories are like, I mean, for me, were like I came into a ministry situation with hope about something's happening. Um, either changing a culture or building something out, and for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. Mm. And I had, I uh, one of the situations, I had some complicity and I had some culpability, and I, um, but but most of it not working out was beyond my control. Mm, yeah, you know, I was working for other people, and it, man, it's really hard to not get bitter. Yeah, not quit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not just blame and yeah. scapegoat uh, other people for your, what your own you perceive your own failure to be. Mm. All that I've experienced all that, and uh, and and so much so that um, I remember I worked at a church for a while, and it was a situation where um, I was brought in to do discipleship, and I don't think once they figured out what I was doing, I don't think they really wanted it, but they weren't able to say that. Yeah. And so um well, I had that one also, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I decided to move on. It was kind of a mutual thing or whatever. 
And I remember, I remember a few months before I left, it was, it was amicable. I remember a few months before I left, like four months, they took my credit card away from me. Um, like your church credit card? Yeah, like uh, they didn't steal yeah, all your personal money. <laughs> no, they <laughs> took your personal card. Yeah, I found yeah. the executive assistant yeah. rummaging through my wallet. No, I, I, <laughs> no, they took my credit card from me, and I remember thinking, I, I'm not leaving until December, and it's August. Like I'm going to continue to pastor. Yeah. Um, uh, but but in their mind, like I was gone, so I, I spent four months just like sitting around my office. But also, I would I would come, I would be walking through the hallway. And I would hear people making fun of the language I use for discipleship, like in a sarcastic, biting way. And uh, they didn't know I was there, obviously. But it was like, oh, now I really don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, uh, not only did I feel like I was pushing a rock uphill being here, but now I'm, I'm hearing people like mocking and sarcastically making fun of what I was doing and what I'm still trying to do. And it's clear, like, you guys weren't honest with me. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know you guys mocked this stuff. Yeah. And so uh, things like that as well, like where, I don't know, the culture, the culture and you just don't align. The chemistry isn't there and uh, things can get, things can get weird fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that gets so dangerous for us with ministry and wounds and pain is it's easy to create a theology that says you just have to take it right? You like all of this stuff, you just have to martyr yourself to it. Yeah. You just have to keep pushing through. I, I I know a church that is one of the largest churches in the country has, I, I don't know what their budget is. It's, it's lots of millions. There's, there's probably tens of millions Ooh. in their budget and they, they just don't pay anybody. Mm. Like nobody on their staff is paid a fair wage except for, of course, the guy that's preaching on Sunday, who has oh, this yeah. enormous salary? Yeah, uh, and and uh, and and they've got this justification as to why that's true. Mm. Uh, and when I talked to leaders or coached some leaders from that organization, it was just like, "Is this is this right? Mm. Is this is this fair? I don't I can't I have to get a second job, and I'm mm. like the head of a department at this mega church. Yeah, like is this the way it's supposed to be? And uh, and and. It's difficult because there are some ways that leaders can almost use spiritual manipulation uh, and spiritual language yes. uh, for experiencing the pain. Uh, and, and there's ways that we can talk about things. So yeah. uh, some of the things that I've noticed, and I'd love to hear from you guys, that, that are just like unhelpful ways to navigate the pain hmm. is the first is that you just martyr yourself to any pain. Uh, you just kind of say, you know what, this is what everybody experiences. Uh, this is what I'm experiencing because this is what everybody's experiencing. Mm. And, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be okay with it. Uh, and I'm just going to walk through it. So, so sort of like, sort of like, I almost like identifying over identifying with your pain. Is that what you're saying? Like the way yeah, I know I'm being faithful yeah. is that I hurt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and we also just kind of have this martyr complex that we carry all the time. Like, this is just the way ministry is. So ministry is always going to be awful. People are always going to hurt me. This leader is always going to yeah. whatever. But this is how, like, this is faithfulness for me. looks like I just walk through all of it. Yeah. And I don't say anything. And I just stay quiet. And I go get a second job. Or I, you know, let my boss 
demean me or I, yeah. you know, whatever that is, yeah. I, I stay at the church where everybody's mocking my discipleship principles or, or yeah. ideas yeah. and they take my credit card and I just don't, <laughs> you know, I just stay there forever. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know that that's a helpful way. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, there's I, the interesting thing about that one too, is like, it, it's like, I know that fe- there's a feeling of righteousness in it, right? Like that's the reason yeah. we embrace it is like, I'm I'm the righteous one here. You know, I'm taking all the flack from yeah. everybody. I'm the martyr. You know, like Jesus you. is Jesus is looking at me and smiling. Suffering you know, and all y'all. But it's like a status thing. It's like this hidden secret status thing where you elevate ironically as you're sort of experiencing pain, you're elevating yourself above other people in your own mind. Mhm. Man, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, All right. So I that's the the, second, that, that's not a good. That's are you saying that's a great approach? No. No. Okay. All right. That's saying a bad. That's okay. Not the best way. Well, uh, not the best way. <laughs> you know, you you. <laughs> oh, okay. You mentioned. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I gotta take you notes here. Like uh, you mentioned, like large churches not paying people, and I'm not sure every large church is like that. No. Um, but I I will say like. Maybe in general, speaking in general, like I uh, at, at gravity. Um, in terms of how we price our consulting and coaching, like we're we're really really fair. I think I've had multiple people tell me you guys should charge more for what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know we were trying to get rich, we would you know do something like exchange uh, stocks or something. You know, what I mean, we would be in a different business. But uh, we also but know how I, to talk about stocks and things. Yeah, I would do things. With, we would do some stocks with yeah. the bitcoins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think I would just play DraftKings. No, I, <laughs> but, um, I mean, we, the, the, I think it's safe to say like the people that nickel and dime us the most are the churches that have the most money. Yes. Yeah. Always. Yeah. The churches that whose budgets are seven and eight figures are the ones trying to get more for less. Yeah. And the churches that have like 80 to a hundred people are like, yeah, I get, I get that you guys are trying to make a living. So let's, Let's pay. Let's compensate you fairly. Mm-hmm. It's just it just blows my mind. It's pretty interesting. Almost always. Yeah, Almost and there's. Always. I think there's yeah. something about like, you know, I think there's something about like this. Um, when you're a large entity and you have power and like you you get things done, mm-hmm. there's there's something about like getting the most out of people for the least cost. Kind of this this logic or this methodology. You have to you have to win every negotiation. You have to win. Yeah, and and that you know, I'm not. I, I mean, this isn't a part of our desert. I don't I don't consider like you know large entities trying to get more or less from me as like a painful experience. I right. just say no. You know, yeah. you can yeah. afford this, or or you're happy to go do do it with somebody else. But I think that logic shows up in the life of the church more than just working with a gravity entity, right? It shows up with your volunteers. It shows up with your staff. It shows up in all over the places. And it tends to, it tends to create pain and hurt. Yeah. 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 The, the second, go ahead, Ben, you got something. I was just, I was just trying to summarize for you. So the first like unhealthy approach to pain is to sort of identify with it and create a a little bit of a martyr complex for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the second would be, to just hold it on side or just to hide it, uh, mm. pretend as if it's not happening. Mm. So ignore it, minimize it. Uh, I'm not experiencing this pain. You know, mm. one, of, one of the really helpful things I've been told uh, about our emotions is kind of this idea of we, we, we can 
we can either let them drive or we can put them in the trunk. Uh, and, huh. and so what we do with our emotions oftentimes is we let them lead hmm. and, uh, we're not faithful when we let our emotions lead. But the other thing that we do with them is we just hide them in the trunk where we hmm. imagine that our emotion and our pain and our hurt or our sadness or our anger or any of those things doesn't even hmm. exist. And so we just put it in the back seat yeah. rather than, you know, strapping them into the passenger seat and allowing our emotions to be a part of where we're going yeah. and what we're doing but not to drive yeah. and not to be hidden. And right. so uh, what I often see leaders do is one of those two sides of that. They're either letting their emotions drive and they're always angry and always frustrated and always, uh, always, you know, letting their emotions lead every discussion, every mm -hmm. conversation, or they're hiding all of that and yeah. just pretending as if it doesn't exist. Yep. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it's, these are painful emotions and they're yeah. difficult to embrace. Um, there's a lot of implications. I think our minds go to a lot of places of like, of pain where, you know, yeah. once we start to address this, it like big questions come up. Can I stay at this job? I need the money. You know, am I really called to this? You know, am I, you know what I mean? Like all those, those are deep questions, difficult yeah. questions. Yeah. So I get it. And you know, we're, yeah, we're sharing desert stories too from like pastoral ministry, but I'm just thinking of people I know in my own congregation who have gone through, years or decades long of like a like a mini ice age in their marriage yeah. or have chil have children that won't call them mm. or um are in recovery for some kind of uh addiction addiction and just have like decades of regret for how they lived you know and so like this this even though we're talking about pastoral desert stories i mean this is a human experience and i think mm, it yeah. it touches each of us I'm reminded too of Hardman as you're talking this um, this article. Maybe it'll go out in uh, one of our links that we send out weekly. But it's from the Harvard Business Review, which, by the way, they they they're putting all their coronavirus uh, content out for free. Usually, you need a subscription for it. Hmm. But it's a it's a it's a the title of the article is that discomfort you're feeling is grief. Yeah, and it's an it's an article basically helping like Western people, like you mentioned the emotions, name the yeah. pain, anxiety, frustration, fear. All of this is grief. And we don't, we don't do grief. No, uh, no. We don't do grief. We don't do sadness. We medicate sadness. Right. And this is what it is. And it's unbelievable the amount of, um, I don't know, just how timely it is to be talking about, this is what you're feeling. This is why you're feeling it. And yet yeah. it sucks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That article actually went out a couple of weeks ago in the in the links, like one of the first oh, one of the first ones. And I think it might be on our I'm looking this up now, but um, if you go to gravityleadership.com slash coronavirus dash resources, um, I'll put a link in the mm. show notes as well. But I think it might be in there as well. Um, That's good. So anyway. My wife is amazing at helping me to name my emotions mm. because I don't I, I, I literally like when I, when she says to me, what are you feeling? And I say, I don't know. I'm always being honest. <laughs> right. Like, what are you experiencing right now? I, put I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, yeah. Uh, that's honest. Yeah. That's honest. Yeah, I, totally. I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, a few months ago I was, I stayed home from work mm -hmm. and I said, I'm sick. Uh, and <laughs> I, I called her and I was like, I'm sick, honey. And she's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know. My stomach hurts. I'm just a little tired. I just, yeah. I don't know. She said, honey, you're not sick. You're just sad. <laughs> Dude. 
Wow. And I was like, oh, crap, she's right. Dude. <laughs> like, it, she, it, yeah, she was. Yeah. I, I had just experienced some some kind of disappointment that week, and yeah. I was mm. frustrated, and and I I just didn't know how to name it, and so I mm. named it sick. Yeah, is yeah. what I named it, and you so felt it I, in your I body. Think, yeah, yeah, we we need somebody to help us navigate those things, and not just to hide the pain that we've experienced or martyr ourselves to it. Mm. Um, the next thing I think is unhelpful is just to fight. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so we we come across I don't I don't know what it is about us but we come across some a lot of angry pastors occasionally mm-hmm. who uh, who are just so disenfranchised and so frustrated and have had some kind of wound in ministry yeah. uh, that now mm-hmm. they just want to they just want to rage against the machine mm. uh, and they just want to fight back and they want to name names and they want to you know get all the facts out there and win the argument and they want to win the public opinion of everybody this person did this to me and mm. this is how it was unfair and and all of those things uh even when we're treated unfairly uh and even when there's wounds that are unfair a lot of times now obviously this is a you know there's certain wounds that need to be addressed right there's certain things that need to go public uh sure. but i think oftentimes uh addressing uh, what's happened behind closed doors in the public or trying to fight those things out in the court of public opinion Mm. uh, does not do a good work. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's right, Ben. I think that, and there, uh, I'm just struck. So two things strike me about that. If you've been through gravity leadership Academy, you will recognize these three approaches as hang out, check out and call out. I mean, this is essentially our, our grace and truth matrix. And so we, we, we tend to either over-identify. So that's the first thing, like just, just to name that for people. Um, and the second thing is that um, I'm struck by the fact that both the martyr option and the rage against the machine option, there is a self-righteousness to both of those, right? Where yes. there's a yeah. status thing where we're like, Look, so one of them is I'm just going to swallow this and and feel righteous about it. The other one is I'm going to tell everybody about this and I'm going to be the righteous victim here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm going to show you how I was mistreated and that will win your approval and that will make me the the best one in this situation. You know, and yeah. I'm going to take down my opponents by you know by sh- by showing you how much uh, I'm I'm I've been hurt. Yeah. Um, Chuck DeGroote calls it phonerability. Like it, mm. it looks like vulnerability because you're naming your pain, but there's like a, there's still this guardedness to it. There's an agenda behind naming yeah, your pain. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, I remember reading two articles by two pastors who had had affairs a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, ben, I, I, I think we talked about this. One of, the, one of the guys was like, his article was like, I hurt this person. I ruined the best thing in my life. Uh, I'm in pain, but my pain is nothing compared to the pain I've caused. Um, and, uh, she didn't do anything wrong. Just so you know, she's a great person and, and I'm sorry. That was basically the tenor of the first thing. Mm-hmm. The, the second, mm-hmm. the second article was by another, was by a kind of a well-known pastor who had an affair and he was like, um, God's grace is so good in my life. I never knew how much I needed God until now. Uh, God's, br- what God brought me through he, to, he's going to bring me through. Uh, here's all the things I'm learning from my fall. Um, this, here's some advice I have for you if you're living in sin and you're not talking about it. Like the tone and the tenor of the two articles was so different. Mm-hmm. The first was like by written by a broken man who basically was just devastated but wanted to make sure that nobody blamed 
his wife for their divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second was by a guy who was clearly a narcissist. (laughs) Always building the platform. Yeah. Who wanted to? Who who felt like I can use I can use my infidelity and adultery to teach people? Yeah, right. right? Um, it's just it's just night and day, night and day different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, go ahead, Ben. I was just thinking the other thing that comes to mind. I don't know if you guys uh, follow Rachel Den Hollander on Twitter or social media, but she she has this mm-hmm. story. She was one of the um, gymnasts who was abused by Larry Nasser. Um, just an awful, awful story. But I think mm-hmm. of her work as like, if you want a model for how speaking out is not like how to speak out in a way that's not raging against the machine. She is yeah. excellent. She does a mm-hmm. really, really good job of speaking very clearly, speaking out on behalf of others, like trying to bring justice. And she was the first one to speak up and all these other gymnasts came and spoke up, you know, after her. But she never, she never is caustic. She does not like throw vitriol around. Um, mm. She, it's, she seems to have come from a place where something in her has been healed of that pain. Mm. Yeah, and mm. now she sees, she feels this as this calling to say, "I need to speak out on behalf of other girls who are being abused, uh, especially yes. in this, you know, and in this environment." And so, yeah. um, I don't know. For some reason, she came to mind as like, I, I yeah. was, I've been impressed with just see like i can't i can't even imagine the pain right of going through what she's gone through um but just her ability to sort of uh i don't know speak speak out for justice but in a way that is not angry not raging against the machine so to speak so yeah i think we could do a whole nother episode just on that of of the, the dilemma of what do I speak out on? What do I not speak out on? And when is it faithful to stay silent and deal with this privately? And when do I bring this thing public? And, yeah. you know, yeah. Matthew 18. And, and at what point do right. I, you know, all of those <laughs> kinds of things yeah. is a real challenge for, I think, anybody in ministry for sure. yes. and, and a lot of different times, even when you're on the other side of that. So I, I've been on the other side of the table where I've had my dogs are getting involved now too. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've been on the other side of that where I've had to fire somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the church has asked what happened here mm-hmm. uh, and discerning what's faithful to share of this is what we walk through and mm-hmm. this was what was going on and what's, what's unfaithful to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I, I, I just don't think this is public knowledge. And if he wants to share with you what went down, you know, you're going to have to get that information from him, yeah. but that's, that's such tricky space to navigate. It is. Uh, the next thing that I think is really unhelpful is just to quit ministry altogether. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, I, I, I feel like we have a low capacity for some of this stuff. And so yeah. we get wounded and we just say I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I know people who are really, really gifted ministries ministers who I, who I believe were called mm-hmm. to ministry, who experienced one of these types of desert seasons or desert stories that we are talking about yeah. and just left. Yeah. Uh, not that God doesn't ever call anybody away from ministry. Yeah. I think there are many times when that happens. Um, but uh, I, I, I feel like the discernment is off sometimes when we're unwilling to walk through the desert mm. uh, to get to the promised land and we're unwilling to walk through any kind of pain. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm sure there's a, there's a shadow side of that, which is staying too long. 
uh, or you know, not leaving when you should leave. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I do think an unfaithful model is just anytime you experience pain, you Get just out quit. Of there as quick and as possible. So we've got we've got free agent pastors who've served at nine different churches over the past mm-hmm. six years. Uh, we've got uh, people who are incredibly gifted ministry guys who are yeah. who have just left the ministry and are now. Yes. Doing stocks. They're yeah. doing stocks now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exchanging them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so we've got just a couple more minutes uh, as we wrap up. And, I, and I'd love for us to talk a little bit about what, what do we think faithfulness does look like? Mm. Uh, so we're going to tell some stories of some people who we feel like have navigated ministries desert stories and navigated the desert faithfully and let them share. But uh, what are some characteristics that we see in these stories, guys? I'd I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the things that you see them doing? Mm. Yeah. One one of the things I, uh, that strikes me from, from at least two of the conversations we've had Hardman is the, um, like an emotionally healthy relational system around the pastor. Mm-hmm. So, so that uh, there, there, when when you're going through depression, or when you're going having anxiety, or when you're having a vocational crisis, or when your sin hits the fan, you don't have to retreat and hide and run away from your church. But like the people around you, closest to you in your church, like you can you can talk to them about it. Um, that yeah. to me, that's one of the things that is like vastly underrated. Vastly underrated mm-hmm. is you just trust the yeah. people you work with, and. They can know the worst about you and they help you when you're down rather than you have to like go somewhere else to get help and, and sort of like put on a good face and then come back when you're, you know, a B minus human. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So having that network, having people that you can be real and honest with. Yeah. Uh, and, and even having people within the organization, yes. you're, yeah. you're, you're, cause I think a lot of the advice I hear is you've got to find somebody who's disconnected from your church yeah. to right. be able to process with, which I do think is helpful because having an outside voice yep. who's not connected sure. to it is helpful. Yeah. But I, you're, you're saying have some voices inside of your organization that you trust yeah. that you yes. Uh, can be honest with yeah. that yes. you can just say, Hey, I just need to vent or am I walking through this faithfully or this hurt? Should it hurt? Mm. Uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having people who know how to bear it, obviously this isn't, you don't share this with everybody in your church um, equally. Yeah. Um, Cause people are, don't not, do it at the newcomers dinner. Yeah. People are not <laughs> equally safe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think I've also seen in some of these stories um, uh, an ability, an ability to to name and own, and this relates to I think the healthy emotional system, but an ability to name and own what's happening emotionally in me. You know, um, even if you don't have you know friends that are super close to you within the church, if you have the ability to just to just step back from yourself a, a couple feet and think, what am I feeling right now? And to name and own those negative emotions without qualification, you know what I mean? Like without saying like, I know this is terrible and I know I shouldn't think this and I know pastors aren't supposed to blah, blah, blah. But, but just being able to say, I feel depressed right now. I feel, I wonder if I'm struggling with depression. You know, uh, yeah. the ability to yeah. be real about it without knowing what the answer is or what comes on the other side of that. <laughs> but just the ability to walk into that, trusting that God's here. Yeah. And I, I don't know how it ends, but God's here. That's tricky, though. Yeah. That's tricky, though. I mean, we get paid to know the answers and have 
yes. to be in control and be in charge. Yeah, that's there, what there's the a sense. In, yeah, there's a sense in which the desert makes you vulnerable and weak. Mm. No matter mm. no matter how it comes, no matter if it's your, your fault or somebody else's fault, it puts you it puts you under the boot of life mm-hmm. in a way that we I don't, I don't know none of us feel comfortable with that. Especially leaders, though, we have a hard time yeah. saying saying I don't know what to do. I'm hurting. Please help me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've got other things, uh, Hardman. I know uh, we're running out of time uh, as well, but um, anyway. We, we could talk about this for we hours. We could. We could. Yeah. I, there's so much here, guys. Yeah. I, I, you know, today's Good Friday that we're recording this yeah, message on. And I, so I, I, I just think like Jesus's model in Gethsemane is a beautiful model for yeah. us mm-hmm. in how we wrestle with pain. There's, a, there's an honest naming before yeah. God. Yeah. There's not a hiding yeah. of what's real and what hurts. Um, but there's a surrender also to the will of God. Yeah. And uh, there's a surrender that uh, there is pain that is to be walked through mm-hmm. and there's pain that is to be avoided. And discerning between those two seems like a challenge for many leaders. Yeah. Uh, and so finding people around you to discern with you, mm-hmm. um, finding people to pray with you, even when they're sleeping mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and finding those systems, I think is really helpful. So we, we really do help this, hope this series is helpful. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I really do hope that as we navigate some of this, that uh, in a similar way to the way that many people shared on my social media page way back in the day and yeah. said, hey, this is what I've experienced. Yeah. We, we hope to hear some of your stories. Yeah. Uh, and we hope to discern some of this with you. And a lot of this is what we do in coaching. That's right. Uh, and in our coaching in Gravity Leadership Academy, we, mm-hmm. we help leaders discern what God is doing in yeah. the middle of our pain or in the middle of our successes on the mountaintops or in the valleys, uh, sometimes in the middle of the desert or sometimes in the promised land, we want to come alongside of you and help you discern mm. what does faithfulness look like. Uh, yes. So uh, guys, I'm really grateful for you guys because yeah. uh, we do this stuff together yeah. and uh, you guys are on my list of people I call mm. when I'm in the middle of the desert. And so uh, yeah, mm. virtual hug, guys. virtual hug, social distance <laughs> hug. Socially distanced Friend, virtual hug. Friends, can I yeah. can I read a uh, can I read something from Henry Nowen to kind of close us? You got one more thing? Yeah, to say? Henry Nowen, huh? Henry Nowen, Henri. Sounds dangerous. He's not. Yes, he's not. He's super good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this is uh, this is a just a, a word that he was uh, giving to someone who was going through a period of suffering in their life. So here, here's the word. Let's let this be a word to, to you if you are experiencing pain in ministry right now. I really want to encourage you not to despair, not to lose faith, not to let go of God in your life, but stand in your suffering as a person who believes that she is deeply loved by God. When you look inside yourself, you might sometimes be overwhelmed by all the brokenness and confusion. But when you look outside toward him who died on the cross for you, you might suddenly realize that your brokenness has been lived through for you long before you touched it yourself. Suffering is a period in your life in which true faith can emerge, a naked faith, a faith that comes to life in the midst of great pain. The grain indeed has to die in order to bear fruit, and when you dare to stand in your suffering, your life will bear fruit in ways that are far beyond your own predictions or understanding. So spend some time each morning doing nothing but simply sitting in the presence of God and saying the Jesus prayer. Gradually, God will enter your heart in a new way, 
and bring new light into your struggle. Amen. 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 Inject, Thanks for joining in, us, guys. Inject that Henry now and right into my veins. Yep. Inject it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Everyone inject that into your veins. <laughs> uh, we love you guys, and, and yeah. we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.